Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'll just true. You sold us on something. Seriously, like, <laughs> I feel my anxiety. Now, like, right, seriously, just, my just, my, just, my heart is pumping. Now, I want to tell you about this other show called Batman vs Superman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> Welcome to the Cold Bow Podcast. This is Jake, and I'm here with my cold bros. What's up, guys? Hey, Jake. Hey, hello. Hey. What's up, JMO? Thanks for coming back, dude. We've got JMO with us again. Jameson Midgley. Great moment, great day. <laughs> we have all of us here Jake, Chris, Troy, Scott. It's been a great couple of weeks. It's nice to have everybody back. Yes, it is. sir. It's nice to be back. Oh. How's everybody doing? What what's, what have we been up to? Scott, uh, we're uh, we're digging your basement, dude. This is yeah. uh, <laughs> coming yeah. to you live from a basement in Eagle Ridge, Eagle, Eagle Ridge, Eagle Ridge, Elk Ridge, Elk Ridge, Elk Ridge, Utah. <laughs> I, I I was talking to a coworker today about Eagle Mountain, and I got majestic some. animal ridge. <laughs> we're in, we're in Elk Mountain in Eagle Ridge. Sorry, I like calling um, your uh, your neighborhood New Asgard. Because when I drove to get here, I was like, where the hell am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you, you go to Salem, Utah, which is in nowhere. No, it's, it's, it's between, Isles, I believe. And then you Salem, go farther. Utah is between two small cities. <laughs> um, and then you go towards the mountains for about a mile and a half or two. When Scott gave us instructions on how to get here the first time, and he's like, if you think you've gone too far, you haven't. Keep going. <laughs> like no. as, soon as, you, as soon as you feel like you've gone too far... Go a little further and turn right. No, literally what you gave us was latitude and longitude coordinates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have my address yet. <laughs> head, head south out of Salem. When you see the cow, turn left. <laughs> if the cow's Then moved. go and go and go. And if you thought you'd gone too far, go a little bit further and then you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is. It's a beautiful house, by the way. Beautiful. Beautiful neighborhood. You got the mountains right next to you. It's a gorgeous place. So... Congratulations! It's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. So what have you been up to, guys? I'll, yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Let's so hear it, Troy. I watched a documentary on Netflix. It's just a single episode. It's not like a series. Is this uh, about like a murder or like a true crime? No, actually, it's oh not. Oh my god! Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Which so, you do. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I hear Ted Bundy came into Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the documentary I watched is called... It's uh, about wrestling. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 go ahead, Chris. You can just go if you want. Go ahead, man. It's called... The circus. Uh, it's called Last Breath. Oh. Um, and so the premise of the show is... The documentary is it's about uh, deep sea scuba divers. <laughs> and they're not really scuba divers. Like, obviously they are scuba divers. But, like, they're not just going to observe. They're actually going down to work on oil rigs, like on oil structures, right? Uh, on, on I've ocean. heard this is like the most dangerous uh -huh. job you can underwater have. Underwater welding is the most dangerous Did, job. But, but yeah. they make a lot of money or something? Uh, I don't know how much money they make. I've, I've heard sure they, they make, make a lot. lot. because yeah. so But it's, yeah, they're literally working on the ocean, on the ocean floor, <laughs> right? On And so Damn. basically what they have to do is they have to sit in a, a pressurizing tank. They call it a saturation tank where they have to sit there in there for 28 days um, and while it's slowly pressurizing their body so that when they get to the site, they can drop them down in, in a tank. That sounds super interesting. It is. The, the show is crazy. Like, I'm telling you. 
dude. So they sink the tank? No, to the, the yeah. So it's like you can, it's not just like it's it's like a small like series of rooms, but then they go into a smaller tank that's called the bell, and they drop the bell. The bell's connected to the boat, and the boat is held in place. They drop the bell, and then the divers go from the bell to the sea floor. But since they're already pressurized, they don't have to worry about like bends. Yeah. Um so they go down to the sea floor. They're connected to the bell with a thing called an umbilical. Uh, it's called an umbilical. They have um, their oxygen, of course, hot water to keep them warm, and then their comms, comms their yeah. camera, and their, their audio. Freaking they go down to insane. these. They go down to these uh, um, these structures and they work on them. Well, what happens is there's a bad storm and the boat loses its place and it starts drifting. As it starts drifting. The bell starts drifting, and as it starts drifting, the the divers have to try to make their way back to the bell. One of the divers, his umbilical cord gets caught and snaps, and he's stuck on the bottom of the floor, ocean floor, while the boat is literally floating away. And then so the the entire documentary is about them trying to come back and trying to rescue the diver. And so I assume he has very he has. Limited time, like how, how long? So they, they do have, have backup up? tanks, but they have five minutes. I love documentaries like these where it's like it's a narrative. Well, if if the guy who was on the bottom of the seafloor is talking to the camera, you're like, oh, he makes it. Yeah. But if he doesn't, you're like, oh, that guy died. But but like the whole time you're watching, like, how does he make it? Yeah, Can I want to tell you. I'll, and I'll then just, I died. I'll just. But I really if want he's you guys not to- on it. And then they say, and then we found him, and then it shows him, and he's and he's alive. You're like. Oh good! Oh, I just want to say I, I just want to say that the the name of the 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 documentary Last Breath Last is very apt, aptly named. Oh, damn, oh, dude. Oh. Sad. So just <laughs> I want you guys I wanna to watch it, it now. Watch I really want to watch it. Where is it on? Like it's Netflix? on Netflix. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's uh, guys, it's um, yeah, it's good. Uh, I'll just Troy, you sold us on something. Finally. Seriously, like <laughs> I feel my anxiety. Now, like, right, seriously, just, my my heart is pumping. Now, I want to tell you about this other show called Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> anyway, that's that's what I watch. I've been dying to talk to you guys about it, but I don't want to say cool, anymore. Man. I want you guys to watch it, and then we can talk later. Yeah, it sounds like something I might watch with Kylie. She she digs that crap. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's good, and it's not a murder mystery. Um, so I I wanted to bring this up last week, but it just didn't happen. Um, but I started watching Good Omens, and that show is really, really good. Is it? Yes, it is. It's really good. I, you said that you you Ooh. mentioned that you like it, and it's yeah. like that's a very British show for Chris to like. I I like British comedy, but I I just that's like, one I, with David Tennant. Yeah, yeah. I, I love is it David Tennant and and yeah. uh, like Netflix, Peter Pettigrew. Right? Yeah. No, who? Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen is the angel, and David Tennant is the demon. yeah. But, and the Good Omen is a book. It's written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, yeah. and they're both they're both amazing authors. Oh, yeah. Mom's reading that. Yeah, I, I actually I have an audio book of Good Omens too, and it's really good. <laughs> and the show is diff because Neil Gaiman wrote the show, yeah. but he changed it enough for that fans of the books to enjoy both. Well, I, I had read an article by Neil Gaiman that I'll bring up later, but um, apparently he was writing it with somebody else, and it's it's been in kind of production hell for a while mm-hmm. the show yeah because i heard about it forever ago mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it was started off to be on amazon but amazon picked it up yeah it was amazon H- and uh no it's bbc that mm-hmm. produced it yeah. and paid for um but the two leads have amazing chemistry michael sheen and david Tennant. They, the the chemistry they have is so good it's almost distracting Dude, i saw him on graham norton for some reason on youtube and the, they have insane chemistry they're, yeah. they're, they're just super any other character people. they bring up you're like 
get them off my show. I just want to see. <laughs> There's a the third episode in because they they've been around and to a person it could be sacrilegious. To me, it's not. It's just like a variance on like the creation of Earth, Adam and Eve, and stuff like that. So, well, isn't one of them like the Antichrist or something? No, no, no. But oh. the Antichrist is a main part of is a big part of the show. Oh. Um, but is that Frances McDormand? She is God. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she she narrates the whole show and she plays God. I love Frances McDormand. Yeah, she's great. Um, but uh, his name is Aziraphale. He is the agent of the angels to be on Earth the whole time. And then David Tennant is in Crowley, and he is the agent of hell. And they directly oppose each other, but really they're best friends because they've known each other their whole lives. And so it, it shows them throughout all of history, like like kind of meeting up and then like we're not supposed to be hanging out we're not supposed to be fraternizing they're like oh who cares and then they just kind of hang out and like eat eat lunch and stuff um but the <laughs> the third episode in it shows them throughout history like the creation it shows them uh nazi germany it shows them abraham lincoln time it shows them french revolution and like aziraphale goes to the french revolution because he was craving crepes <laughs> and then he gets caught <laughs> and they're going to behead him he's like you can't behead me there'll be so much paperwork <laughs> and then Crowley shows up and saves them so they can go get crepes so but that's the first that's that the first great. 30 minutes of that episode is just them throughout history and then they cut to the opening like song the intro after 30 minutes and it was like <laughs> the best part of the show was just them interacting with each other it's it's a great show. I need to start watching it. Where is it on? It's on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, it's, re- look, it's really funny. Good omens. Good omens. So, I watched. Um, we were talking last week. We talked about uh, about Game of Thrones deaths. JMO's best one was the was the. Uh, oh, the Oberyn Martell, right? Yeah. Pedro Pascal. I actually watched. He has a movie out on Netflix right now called Triple Frontier. Oh, I watched that. Ben Affleck. You watched it? Yeah. So it's Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, uh, Garrett Hedlund, who's the guy from Tron, Mm -hmm. and Pedro Pascal. Ben Affleck's the worst actor out of all of them. Oh, yeah. He, by a long shot. (laughs) Um, I actually, watching this movie, I actually realized how much I really like Charlie Hunnam. Charlie mm-hmm. Hotface as a Charlie as Hotbody because yeah. I actually I actually watched uh, the Lost City of Z uh, with my parents the other day as well. My dad and loves that movie. I enjoyed it. It's real slow, but it's, it's slow, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, but no, I watched Triple Frontier. Holy cow! Did you like it? Oh, yeah, I, thought it was I great. loved that movie. I thought it was so much fun. Um, a it's about time. it's about a, a a group of five guys that used to be uh, in the military together, and then and one of them, Oscar Isaac, is uh, he's kind of a um, they, they're not in the military anymore. Oscar Isaac is a contractor, uh, military contractor, so he he goes down and and does military operations with mm-hmm. the governments of foreign countries, basically, and so he has this operation that he brings the other four guys back in, and they're all out. They're all out of the of the game, and then he brings them back into the game to do this operation. Uh, in what country was it? Was it Brazil? Uh, it was yeah. in Brazil, and so they're going into Brazil, and then they're and it was just like super, like intense. It was the action was really good. 
Um, the emotional parts they hit were pretty good. I don't know. I thought it was a great movie. So Triple Frontier, it's on Netflix. Hmm. Um, and there's some really great acting in it. And Ben Affleck, he stays within his bounds of what he's good at. That, that is and, one thing about Ben Affleck is you say he's the worst actor there, and he is, but he's he has charisma. He's got a charisma about him, mm-hmm. and as long as he's he's reined in within his uh, emotional Range. spectrum, yeah. as the, the if the if as if the character calls for that narrow emotional spectrum, then it's mm-hmm. great. Well, like it's it's kind of a meme to say he's a bad actor, but he, right. he's not. He's better than me. <laughs> but he's really good in the town. He's, he's great. great town. He's great because in the, Gone the, Girl. The, the character he's a better director. Calls for it's a, because a he he stays spectrum. within his bounds. He's, a, of what he's, he's fantastic at Argo. He's yeah. great in Daredevil. Hey, Chris. <laughs> Argo F yourself. Argo F yourself. Argo. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I love, uh, what's, what's, he's like my favorite actor. I forgot his name. Alan Arkin? Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin's great. hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that, yeah. Anyway, I was going to go in. We don't need to go into that anymore. But anyway, Triple Frontier. That's a great movie. Good. Go watch it. It's a good movie. What have you been up to, Jamo? Um, so, if you guys don't know, I'm sure you do, but it's the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Yes. Um, so, I, I don't a week, know. A week or so ago. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming this was for D-Day, but a lot of the theaters in Utah showed uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm. And um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I've always wanted to see it on the big screen. So, um, I got a chance to see it. That's awesome. Uh, it was really it's really cool to see something that like I've grown I've probably watched that movie 10 times in my life but never been able to see it on the big screen so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was really cool just to go and like really immerse yourself in that movie because it is so fantastic like it is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen especially that D-Day opening scene is unreal and that's one of those like legendary movies in the theaters that people like you have to see in the theater but if you do go there's like veterans like diving on the floor right and, like ptsd episodes that's what that's so, yeah that's what i heard the story all those stories that, of when it came out that scene of was so good that they remade it in medal of honor video game yeah, yeah. and it was fantastic yeah. there too so um <clears throat> it doesn't i, I don't know it, everything nowadays is moving towards the small screen like making movies and catering them to what being able, being able to consume them and, and have the full experience on the small screen. But there is nothing quite like watching a movie on the, on, in the theater, Absolutely. on the big screen. And there's some movies that are, that almost aren't worth it unless you can see them I, on the big I, screen. I saw gravity at home and I like, that. Ah, was okay. Yeah. Oh, I I, but it. gravity in the theater yeah. was like it was a different experience. I teared in that movie, not when it, I had the, those emotional parts that they, they try to get you there, but just the sheer grandness. Because I saw it in IMAX, and I remember watching it and just being so overwhelmed with like well, just it, the whole the sound grandness, design. the, the, the sound, sound design, and insane. I just remember like tears came to my eyes because I was just sitting there grabbing my seat. Nothing was happening. It was just a ship moving through space, and I was floored because it was just so grand like it was just so cool to see that you're never going to get that at home only in the theaters it was amazing it's impossible to get it at home you just can't (laughs) you you need a screen that's 100 feet tall to get that 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 kind of feeling and so uh, yeah i 
I wish I would have gone. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, I, I heard about it that day. I was like, I'm seeing it. Uh, it's just one of my favorite movies. So I'm glad that's I saw awesome. it. That's awesome. That's great. One of the that's really cool. They're things. showing it too to like honor. That's been a big thing lately. It seems like, and it, maybe it's been going on for a while. I just didn't know, but uh, uh, older movies in in the, coming back into theaters. Oh yeah, has been um, has been. Well, happening well, we saw a movie. Like, like I saw Jurassic Park a couple of years ago. Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. we went and saw that in the theater. Scotty too. and I actually went and saw Jurassic Park with a live orchestra. Yeah. Uh, that up. A couple years yeah, ago, yeah. And, and Chris, and that, Chris or a year ago, Star Wars, that, and they're doing Star Wars at the Abravano Hall no, I, and Harry it. Potter. They did. I already went. Huh? I, yeah, they did. I already went. We talked about <laughs> yeah. it in previous episode. Oh, it's awesome. It's really cool that they do that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, what was the one that we went and saw? Die Hard. Jamo and I went and saw one. I watched Die Hard last Christmas. Yeah, uh, in the theaters. In the theaters. And Jake and I saw Godfather. That was the first time I Godfather. saw Godfather. That was the one that Chris and I went and saw. That was, it was, it's a different experience. I've seen that movie, I don't know, a half dozen times. But seeing it on the big screen was, it's a different experience. It's, it's the first cool. time I saw it. And it was, it's a really good movie. Yeah. It's a really good <laughs> It's movie. a pretty slow movie, but it is super good. Did any of you guys see the uh, Aladdin remake? No, I haven't seen it yet. I really I, want to. I saw it. I did see it. It, it. Actually, it was better than I was expecting to be. Better than I expecting, but it didn't blow me out of water. Yeah. Like some people did. It, it kind of was like, oh, this was so I, great. Yeah. I, I really want good. Guy Ritchie to have like a I, oh, I felt he was just hamstringed. Yeah. He couldn't be Guy Ritchie. Well, you can't be who you are when you're working. Yeah. I don't know why he took you're, that. You're not Joe, allowed to be who you are when you're working. I, I, I'll say this. There wasn't really much that I didn't like about it. I went in with really low expectations and came out actually liking it. So yeah, um, don't 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 have too much high expectations. But, but it, I don't yeah. don't expect a, a dog yeah. fest. It was Jaws, by the way, that we saw. <clears throat> Jaws. Yeah. Jaws was, in the theater was amazing. really great, too. <laughs> All right. And before we move on to our topic, I just want to say as a PDA, not a PDA. PSA. Chris, I don't want to give you a sharing a couch here today. Jake and I need to do some skin to skin later so we can uh, bond. Um, the show Swamp Thing is out, and it got canceled already. After the first episode. And the reason why it got canceled is because, for one, Warner Brothers is afraid that the show isn't good enough, and the other is because they want it to be cheesy CW type of show. It's not. It's directed by James Wan, who did Saw and like all the Fast and the Furious movies with practical effects. It's gory and glorious and amazing. So right now there's an online movement to go and buy the uh, DC membership and just watch Swamp Thing. Do yourself a favor and do it so we can save the show because it's really, really good. <laughs> See, that, I, that's it's the thing. Really, really good. All of all of the frustrations behind the DC and the DC universe is mm-hmm. because Warner Brothers is afraid of their own shadow. Yep. They cannot get out of their own way. Yep. Like, I, I swear, like, like Disney bought Marvel and was just like, you just keep doing what you're doing and we'll stay out of the way. Maybe we'll have some suggestions here and there. But and then they did. And, and we've got some great movies. But like with with DC, it's like Warner Brothers. DC tries to do anything and Warner Brothers get scared and they and I'm, I'm totally or they do something stupid I'm, I'm like I'm walking a dangerous road right now by saying this but the reason why they don't like it is because there wasn't enough uh, minorities there wasn't any homosexuals in the show there wasn't any whatever is to like it wasn't to, woke no. if exactly. you need to do that like if and, you need that write it in like they, they like, did that to like Titans like they changed Starfire to an African American I mean she has red hair still so like whatever but they said there wasn't enough of that in Swamp Thing so they cancelled it even though it was made by like a Korean man or what, what, I'm sorry I don't know where James Wan is from I think he's Korean but the show is really really good you guys check it out I'm gonna check it out so there's, <laughs> there's a seven day free trial so the 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 thought is is that if enough people sign up for it to support Swamp Thing, 
then it'll get renewed. Or maybe another network will pick it no, up. Well, I hate that Let's see so. a, a good show get flushed like that. Um, before we also move on, I right down the swamp, drain the swamp. <laughs> um, I, well, if it's good enough, hopefully Netflix will pick it up and keep it running. If they have a deal like that with Warner Brothers or something, like I don't, I don't yeah, think they I mean, do. They had, well, if they canceled it, if they had rights know, to the property, I don't, I don't yeah. know how that works. But also before we uh, before we move on, I just want to have I have one small thing. It's a kind of more of a tease. I watched the first episode of uh, the miniseries Chernobyl. And it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard, oh, yeah. I've heard I'm going to keep watching it, and I'll, and I'll come back and talk to you about it. So that's where the, the, the tease comes through. But the first episode blew me away. It's it was, good, dude. It was great. So that's so, all I'll say uh, about Real that. quick. I, um, oh, yeah. We didn't get to Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, just finished Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, dude. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dude. The ending of that book is so good. I like could that not fight believe scene. it. That, re- that Return of the Jedi fight dude, scene. Dude, like, like, there's, oh, there's like the second uh, last chapter is like in audiobook form is like yeah. an hour and a half long holy cow and it switches perspective yes. every like five minutes that, dang it I have to, oh, Brandon I have Sanderson to start Brandon Sanderson again but that Ray guy Kings is such a long series dude, it, it's yeah it, th- this uh, this last book um, there's supposed to be five books isn't this is the third and uh, it's like 54 54 hours long mm-hmm. um, the others are like 40s but oh my goodness! This I'm, Oathbringer. Do you need to? Do you need to like read or listen? It's the to, third book in the series. It's, it's the third do you need to listen to the other? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. absolutely. Right. It'd be like it'd be like reading Return of the King or something first. Yeah, it's. Oh. Um, this is a great book, but I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the? Uh, Who's Aragorn? Way of Kings is the Way first one. The second one is Path of Radiance or something like that. No, Words of Radiance. Words Why of Radiance. Sauron so mad. <laughs> and I, I honestly think this this um, series is one of the best fantasy series ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's 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 no, it's uh, halfway, just over halfway done with the first series, and then it's it's going to be ten books long, and and he's on the third one. Damn it! I am knee deep in Tom Clancy right now, and I'm trying to, dude. I'm trying not to switch back and forth. That's what I did with Tom Clancy in this this series. It's but now I'm gotta go back. If your hold up is that you want him to finish the series first? No, no, no. no, I'm not. No, I mean I'm talking generalization to people out there. If your hold up is. You you're you're waiting for the third uh, Patrick Rothfuss book to come out or something, and you're like, I don't want to do this to myself again. The third, the these first three books are an arc for the one character. The next three books will be an arc for a different character, but all be in the same. And, world. and he's currently writing four and five right now. He's yeah. a, he's also a prolific writer. That he's writes, a maniac. He takes he 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 pumps books out pretty. For quickly. vacation, he writes, he writes kids books. <laughs> <laughs> he, he writes one to two books a year. Yeah, he's, he's a wow, maniac. That's, that's he, he pushes and, them out. And these books are huge. And he lives like 10 minutes away from here like <laughs> yeah it's nuts he's um, great i've actually been watching this uh, youtube series yeah you need to send that again because I, I i wanted to find it but i couldn't click on it in time uh, which one that you, you sent me a youtube video about oh. brandon sanderson but, oh yeah yeah that's uh dude i've been on a big brandon sanderson kick just like studying up about him he is insane yeah so cool uh he, he's as an author i think he's one of the best fantasy authors he's up there with and if he keeps going too, like he's he's pretty young, and he's not stopping. Yeah, I, I've read like almost everything he's written. Like, I mean, the, the fact that who is it? Robert Jordan that wrote the, the wrote Wheel the Wheel of Time. Time. That he his I guess his wife chose him after he died to finish the series. And then she said she kind of regretted it because Brandon Sanderson Did made better. his books better. <laughs> he wrote it in a more concise way. Everybody, yeah. everybody who's read Wheel of Time says it's pretty. The first book is good. The second and third books are are pretty good too. 
the 11th, it gets, 12, 13, it 14th. Gets, it gets lost in the weeds in the middle there. And then the like the Brandon Sanderson books are just head and shoulders. And, and he's, 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 like, he said, like, people ask him, what, what was it like to write it? And what what's your feelings about it? He's like, he said, I have nothing but positive that came out of that. I loved writing it. I loved it was an honor to do it, but he's like, I, I wish he would have done it. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway. And then he went and made his own, and he's working on it right now, and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson has the, the two, two big series, the um, the the Mistborn and, and this and one. I love the Mistborn. Like, also, Steelheart. It's a, it's like a YA book, so they're mm-hmm. really good. They're about superheroes. He, he's all over the place. He has, this, like, noir detective novels. Those Mistborn books were awesome. Here, here's what else. Mistborn, books. it feels like it's more like he's enjoying himself. Like it's it's his release. Like he, what he would write if if he didn't want. And then, um, and then the Stormlight Archive is more like he's trying to write his his magnum Lord opus. Re- yeah, his big epic. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll say too. I mean, this is a long intro of what we've been up to, but you kind of sparked the yeah, I know you sparked this in me. But if if you like fantasy novels, but you're like, I really don't like the way that George R. R. Martin uh, gets lost in details, or I don't like the way J.R. Tolkien doesn't explain what he needs to explain. That Strand Sanderson is the best of both worlds because the way is. that he describes like battles and stuff, like your heart races, and the way that he describes the way a character looks or what wears, it's. It, it, um the thing is though is like i kind of equate him in, it, to like a comedy mm-hmm. like a, a comedian um he's kind of the jim gaffigan of comedians where i mean he's lds so he's so you're not going to get like the brutal death scenes or the graphic sex scenes from there is him brutal death scenes, the, there, there are brutal stuff but it's not like George R. R. Martin, you mm-hmm. know, it's not like um, burning a child at the stake. Yeah, it's not that, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. If it, if it does happen, it's like said in passing or doesn't mm-hmm. happen in the moment type thing. Um, but he is insanely talented and good, like Jim Gaffigan. Like he's probably mm-hmm. one of the best comedians out there right now. But he's not edgy, you know. Anyway, and he uses stuff like different words for swear words it's kind of silly yeah <laughs> like stormy storm you storm yeah. off yeah it's fine all right <laughs> that reminds all right <laughs> so well, i, I had to get that in i had to kind of because it i felt like the fantasy aspect of it fit the episode you know what yeah. pisses me off about this section of our podcast there's so many things you have to do now is that <laughs> literally troy chris jamo and scott all gave me crap i gotta do now <laughs> yeah. i've got a backlog so full of crap that i have to do and it just got longer so mm-hmm. um that's extremely n- gross not <laughs> that bat backlog is uh, building up. Is that what you call it? <laughs> but uh, is that the train of guys waiting behind you? <laughs> what was this whole Mexico trip for? <laughs> you didn't pay cash. You paid in booty. That strange Mexican all up in my guts. It was fun. Um, no. He paid Pedro, really not in peso. Pedro Pascal. <laughs> he was the, the Red Viper. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anywho, <laughs> let's get into our topic today. Good idea. We're talking about something that has become something that... It's actually become, I think, pretty important to all five of us. Uh, and just in the last year or so, really... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like we're like newbies right now trying to scratch the surface. Trying to scratch yeah. the surface. But it's 
become very important to me. It's uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And you nerd, nerd, exactly. And th- th- this is that's kind of something that I want to get to, by the way. Uh, but Dungeons and Dragons is something that, uh, just as a timeline, Chris has Chris actually talked to me a couple years ago about doing a, a session with someone and how it was fun and we should do it. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'd love to, but never really got into the idea. It's a of time it. commitment, too. And then it was. It was about a year. I think it was just about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was the four, the twenty fourth of July, was that first weekend we did it, wasn't it? Because it was, yeah. I think it was the tw- mm-hmm. so it was just about a year ago that that uh, um, Chris invited Scott and I, and we went over to a friend's house. What's up, Neil and Rachel? What's up, guys? We went over to their house, and and Neil did the he DM'd for us, and we did our first campaign of D anD. d and it was well. It was wasn't even a campaign. It was like it was. It was a couple of sessions. Yeah. We I think we only did two sessions. Over I only did Neil's one. House. Scotty mm-hmm. only did one, and we had, but it really like opened my eyes. Like, holy cow, this is the potential of this. And then from that, I started watching Critical Role, uh, which is a very popular Dungeons and Dragons. And honestly, Critical YouTube Role, video. I think, is a huge aspect into why it's really caught on with a lot of us. Mm-hmm. I can see that in myself. So we started, uh, we we started that, and then we we've been doing this podcast for longer. We, I mean, we had been doing the podcast in the meantime, and then um, we decided that we would do we would record our own Dungeons and Dragons campaign. So Chris DM'd for us. Um, Troy, Scott, me, Jameson, uh, our friend Jose, and that's Mara. it, right? Oh, Mara. Mara, Mara, Mara Troy's Jackson. wife. Um, we all were the players. We were doing this campaign. We we were gonna re- we recorded most of it. We recorded everyone, um, and then we were going to to start posting those for you guys. And they, 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 were, they were like four hours each. It, it was they, like this big production we were putting together. It was, and it was, but it was with our old equipment. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, we had this old our equipment. Old, it, was it was a segment it was, called Roll Gently. It's Roll our Gently. first time, and I love that. Yeah, that was one of the most clever style. names. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it was most of our first time. Scotty and I, it was literally the, the first campaign we did with Chris as a DM, it was literally our third time playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think it was Jameson's first time, Absolute first. Troy's first time, Mara's first time, Jose's first time. Chris had played a few more times than Scotty and I, but I don't think more than five. But it was yeah. Chris's first time DMing. Yeah. It was his first time DMing. So it was this... We, DM stands for Dungeon Master. <laughs> dungeon Master. Anyone else? You Not can, direct message. You, you can also... You can slide into your DM if you want. <laughs> you can also... Jeez. You can also call him GM, Game Master. Mm-hmm. The, that's also appropriate. Uh, anyway, we, we recorded... I think, we, I think we've only done five or six sessions. We, mm-hmm. we've, been, we've been playing for a long time, but we've only done five or six sessions. Um, Things started getting crazy. People started. People's wives got pregnant. It was. It was uh, the holidays. I think that put a. Hol- we 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 put a we put a pause on for the holidays. We didn't come back and play again for months. Mm-hmm. Um, so our we, old audio was we were unable to use because it's four hours and we had to use different microphones. Yeah, and we're unable mm-hmm. to sync that audio because Tec- it's over four. Technical or five hours. difficulties made it so it impossible. So ultimately, so this is why we, you guys haven't heard it yet. Ultimately, we chose not to release those episodes. Um, 
Whether we, we do it again, them like crazy, <laughs> we tease yeah. them like crazy. <laughs> that's, that's... Whether we do them again in the, whether we start up another one in the future and try and get that um, released is to be determined. We don't know, but this We'd time love be, to roll gently. We're inexperienced. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the thing about what, one of the biggest things I learned, um, and this is more something Chris can testify to, is how much work goes into Dungeons mm. and Dragons, mm. especially for the DM. Oh, especially yeah. there's a lot of work for the players to get to know your player, get to know your character and do all learn magic prepare, systems, get prepared and everything. But the amount of work it takes for a dungeon master to get a session prepared is absolutely bonkers. The amount of work that goes into it. Um, I've done my own. Um, I've DM'd my own one off little sessions three times now and it with, is uh joe and mike right with joe and mike what's those up guys, joe what's up mike those guys are awesome they came they did it with us um i did it with my family once i did another one with chris and his brother and and uh neil came and played my uncle uh, so we had a we i've That's done fun. it a few times and it was it's just a, an insane amount of work that it takes to put <clears throat> something like that together um so that's a very, very, very long-winded intro into this topic that we're having today is why each of us, why we like Dungeons & Dragons. Well, one thing that you said that I that caught my attention right off the bat, um, when we played those couple games with Neil, me, you, uh, I think Cody, my, my brother Cody. What's up, Cody? Kylie, Neil's wife, Rachel had a character, Scott had a character, and we'd never played before. We were like... We're like, make a character. What does that even mean? And we're like, oh, you can just like make whatever you want. So <laughs> right off the bat, it's hard to wrap your head around D and D. Like, oh, there's a race and a class. You can pick it. Like, what, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And so Neil's like, don't get overwhelmed. They have pre-made characters. You can just choose one. Which is which is what we did with our mm-hmm. with right. our campaign. Mm-hmm. And I was so green as a DM, I couldn't. I wouldn't know how to help you guys make one then. I could do it now blindfolded because I've done it a hundred times since then. Um, but that was one of the first things is we had these pre-made characters and then they go, okay, now make your backstory. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? He's like, where did your character come from? What did he do? What does he like? What does he hate? What are his flaws? What are his weaknesses? It's like, okay. So Jake and I kind of sat down with Scott and even Cody, and we wrote a backstory, and suddenly 17 pages later, yeah. <laughs> we're like, okay, it's done. And we're like, wow, that opened up a part of my brain I did not know existed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you feel like an author. Yeah. Like, but and the funny part is, is we wrote this backstory, and then it was so. And guy now Ritchie I look too. back, I look back at it now, and I'm like, uh, we should have just played a session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did all that work to write the backstory. We should have just done a session and. And played that a backstory. backstory. <laughs> yeah. right. There's no reason. Cause, yeah, because we already had like the intros and everything. Yeah, we had all these intros of a, but, but it, it, it's exactly. But it, it, we didn't do it wrong. No, we didn't. Yeah. That's the well, thing and, and that's the thing about wrong about D and D is it can be an iceberg where ninety mm-hmm. percent of what goes into Dungeons and Dragons happens alone when you're building your character or your campaign and then ten percent of it happens with your with your buddies for mm-hmm. the for the three hours that you're um that you're going through the campaign. Yeah. And it's a uh, it's kind of daunting, dude. Like I've invited people to play since we started. <laughs> no, that's I'm fine. Like even 
not to not to say it's bad, but even your wife was like kind of unsure about it at first. You're like that seems really nerdy. You're, like, you're talking about Mara, by the way. Yeah, for, sorry. Like, I, no, you're fine. I pointed to Troy, yeah, but yeah. no one knows that at home. <laughs> um, she, but yeah, like when when I first because my friends in high school used to play, I never got invited because I'd make fun of them. And I was like, "What do you just play like on Word? Like I don't understand. What is, <laughs> what does this mean? How do you play this game?" And I just didn't get it. You have to see it to understand. Like, so Scott, Scotty, and I, our uncle, on our dad's side, which is not related to Troy or to Jameson or mm-hmm. to anyone else who's been anywhere near this podcast. Um, our uncle uh, Jackson, what's up, Jackson? Uh, he's played since the eighties. He's played since he was a teenager. Since the beginning. Um, and I'm not sure about the beginning, almost. but almost. Well, I mean, uh, since since he started uh, with first edition, though. No, I think he started with second edition. Oh, okay. Never mind. I think, but uh, he's played, and uh, he he he's talked to me about it before, never at length, but he talked to me about it before, and he he talked about how it's a game you play with dice and a pen and paper. <laughs> and I remember thinking, what? Why <laughs> are you talking about you? play with a pencil and paper because if you play Dungeons and Dragons with a pen you're a crazy person you're a crazy well, person. Um, but you you play with a pencil and paper and I was like what do you mean you play with a pencil and paper <laughs> yeah. how, how? And, and, and then you just kind of sit around and then um, I remember when I was on my mission I, I, I had a, a, a missionary companion who uh, he played a lot and he kind of explained it to me and I remember thinking so a group of nerds get together and then there's a head nerd <laughs> and then the head nerd leads them through like a movie plot. <clears throat> and he's like, that is the most simplistic way of describing it. But yes, <laughs> yes, essentially. And I, I just remember thinking, I don't get it. I don't understand. And then once you played the first time, like Chris said, it opened up a part of your brain that was just like, well, it's just, it, we're all here and we did this podcast because we love stories, right? We get together and talk about stories. This is like the most raw form of storytelling where it's a group of people. They come with their characters and a setting um, and, and maybe some goals and stuff and whatever their character has in store or things they have in store. And then you spontaneously tell a story to each other, looking at your friends just around a table and you're telling each other a story. Well, you're telling them a story while they're telling, and it's just this weird spontaneous. But their story thing. affects your story. No, exactly. It's one story. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's it's like riding a tandem bicycle. Yeah, it is. You're telling a tandem story with four or five. And other it's a people. spontaneous thing where it's not like, oh, does this work? Like, like you hear that a lot with when people are reviewing books or movies or whatever. Like, I don't know, this plot point just didn't work. It wasn't executed well. It doesn't matter. You just go and then, and then. You get the roll of the dice and then the get, chance, yep. the chance factor. And that's the best part about the is the chance, because in our first episode, our first session we played, I'm 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 a monk. I'm the I, my, my character is like a ninja ninja and, turtle, a ninja, a, literally a ninja <laughs> turtle named Mikey, um, M-A-J-K-E, because he has the soft J like yogging. Um, but in the first episode, there's this big monster down in his den, and we were all discussing whether we should, how we should attack this monster, and I went Leroy Jenkins 
and ran down in there before anybody else, before we figured out what we were going to do. I ran down in there and the luck of the roll, the luck of the dice meant that I didn't do any damage to him. And before anybody could get up to me, the monster got to me, hit me in the head and knocked me out. And I was unconscious. He had taken all my health away from me. I was dead. Uh, and if I lost enough rolls in a row, I would have died in my ca- I would have had to See, make a new character. Because a level one character ran into the boss room by himself. By himself. Right. <laughs> but had, had, I, <laughs> had I rolled a better roll of the dice at that moment, things would have gone differently. Yep. Or had the monster roll a different roll of the dice. So it's all about, and that has actually become a, a theme with my character, is I can't roll for... I, me, Jake Gifford, I can't roll for, I, I'm worthless with my dice rolls. And so every time I try and do something cool with my character, it, I fall flat on my face and this happens all the time. But that is the funnest moments is when you fall flat on your face and you have to improvise. It's, it's interesting too, because in, in D and D you roll for, um, well, I can't even think of the word. Initiative. Attack? Initiative. You roll for initiative. initiative. And Jake is the most initiative person out of all of us. Yes. And he's like, oh, my character's going to do this. I'm like, ah, but you rolled a bad initiative. So Jake's, Jake has all the initiation, the initiative of the world, but Mikey doesn't. So you're going to have to wait for your turn. Yeah, you're playing your character. You have to play the character. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, the whole, um, you're, 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 you're starting to bring up this this idea that when things go wrong, it makes the story funner or the, the campaign fun, more fun. And and it's so true. And it's funny because beginning players, and we all did it, I, I still do it sometimes, is I want my character to be as badass as possible, to be sure, to right. be as like, like uh, stone-faced, like Aragorn as possible, you know. Um, but... And then you end up being Gimli. <laughs> but you end up being Gimli, and, and it makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like like when I was first building my character, I wanted it like, and and Chris brought brought up when we when we did that first campaign was like you you bring up your character's flaws and their and their strengths. And like why would I give my character flaws? Why? But that it. That's what makes it interesting. The flaws, the flaws, the flaws drive the plot of the game more than the strengths. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing we haven't said yet is that this is a game, but you don't win and you don't lose. This is right. a collaborative story. And if your character dies, that's part of the story. Make a new one. Yeah. Use the characters will use your friends will use your character's death as a plot to drive your character's motivations forward, and it's it's kind of awesome. Like it sucks. Like you made this character and he died. But then you can just make a new one. You can. You, you also can, kind you of can. fall in love with your character. But, but, oh, but well. like Ned Stark died, right? Yeah. So like characters die. Yeah, yeah. And it's like true. as as a DM too, because I I took an already pre made campaign. It's the Minds of Fandelver. It's generic basic campaign. It's in the starter pack, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. But I took your guys's backstories and and little bits of information that you gave me, and I ran with it. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Jamo, um, his character. Xandri, <laughs> you're 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 a, a fighter with a great axe and a huge beard, 
and I, I took your character's backstory that you wrote and I was like, this is his motivation. He comes from privilege. So he's the leader. And I said that and I was like, let's just see what happens. So I was like, okay, Xandri was named leader. And I was watching to see if you guys, if it would piss you off or not mm-hmm. to see if somebody else walks in and like, this is your leader, deal with it. And everyone's like, yeah, it's cool. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, fine. So Xandri's the leader. Well, I think that that was also, we were all pretty green. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, Okay. All right, if he wants to be a leader, he can be the leader. I'll, I'll sit back and let <laughs> Jim will struggle with it a little one bit. One thing yeah. I've noticed, too, when you're <laughs> when you're DMing is you don't... It, it's, it's, it's frustrating when you're trying to tell a story, so don't. Don't tell a story. Create a conflict. Um, create a conflict. Here's a bad guy. This is what he's doing. These are his minions. How does your guys solve create the problem? an environment where a story can be told? And, yeah. and, and don't... And let your players tell the story. Don't fall in love with your NPCs. And don't make them mean too, because nobody wants to talk to a mean NPC. That, that's that's how you create like murder hobos. Murder hobos are people that just kill everything. They say, I attack this guy, I punch this guy in the face. Because okay. yeah, that kind of sucks. But if your NPCs are cool, if they're nice, um, then if they're helpful, if they're helpful, then then your character non playable character, non player, non playable character. characters. It's yeah. funny because my my NPC. character uh, Darcy was kind of funny. Anyway, uh, his the back, Irish the Irish elf, the Irish elf. <laughs> his backstory was started as a joke because <laughs> like anyway it was just, it was just funny because it started as a joke and it turned into something really cool yeah like i i am i'm there's nothing like i'm i'm proud of that character's backstory i'm proud of what i've been able to create with that character what we've been able to create with that character but um the the whole idea with it was that i was just like well i'm just gonna make it into a joke because i want to have fun with it you mm-hmm. know what i mean and and so i created this story that this elf who was raised by human humans you know like and he was he was irish anyway it was just it was just fun it well was, it was a fun my entire basketball. character is a joke yeah is a, is a he's yeah. a ninja turtle named mikey who's <laughs> been who's been separated from his four brothers fa yell leo and donnie <laughs> and it's he's a it's an it's a joke it's a literal joke they were trained by a were rat <laughs> trained by a were rat <laughs> but but um, I've been through some trauma and I'd, I'd use a different accent every time in every session, but, but the, the story drives that purpose, the, there's a purpose behind it and it, it is actually much darker. The backstory of my character, which is a joke the entire time the backstory is actually a, a very dark backstory that so you can actually tell some crazy stories while laughing your ass off the entire time and you tell some pretty crazy or you don't stories. have to tell anything well, and that's either. the thing is like your, your character's kind of silly at times but th- that's such a that's a very common character trait in people that that have a dark past Right, that that that. We'll talk to cover, any co- comedian. Yeah, exactly. In real life, or it's just exactly watch right. Critical Role and watch how much they laugh. Yes, yeah. all their characters have dark backstories. Right, mm-hmm. and so, and it's so it it seems super cliche to have like, oh, I've got this dark backstory, um, but I can laugh through the game. But I mean, the whole point is to have fun. Well, and so here's here's my thing. So. Dungeons and Dragons, the big thing is about using your imagination. You're sitting around a table with your friends and you are just basically imagining. You, you, you know, have you have miniatures you mm-hmm. and that's the you're, only thing you you're have. playing like you're a child, basically. Yeah, you have little miniature dolls, happens, but it's and great. those are the only things you have 
to visualize. The the hardest thing for me when I had first heard about Dungeons and Dragons and trying to wrap my head around it was the dice. Like, why would you roll the dice? Like, why wouldn't you? you know, I'm going to go up and hit this character with my sword. Why do I have to roll a dice? Oh, well, you have to roll. You know, yeah. I, I get it now, but it and was hard because in my mind, it's like you play a video game. You yeah. go up and you hit a character. Like, that's what you do, yeah. right? Um, but it's not just about the combat either, which is what I learned when we were playing our campaign. Some of my most, some of the funnest moments was when we would just sit around and role play. And in fact, going back to, to Mara, when she jumped in and, and she started playing with us her first time, she was really nervous. I think you guys were really nervous um, as far as whether she would like it or enjoy it. Um, we, when we left and we got into the car to go home, she just went nuts. She was like, that was the funnest thing. Like it was, it was great. She just had nothing but great things to say about it. And that particular session, nothing but role play. We There's didn't no combat. At we all. didn't do any combat. And so that's, that's the other thing is like, it's not just about rolling the dice and getting hits and getting damage and taking damage and possibly dying. It's about like getting to know all of the other characters and interacting with each other and creating that story. Like you said, that to tomorrow and I was probably more fun yeah. than I mean it's it's improv basically yeah right it's you have a character and you have to react like these crazy things happen um or like 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 a relationship starts to evolve between characters and you have to like be inside the character's head like what would he do in this situation because and, and you your first reaction is always what you would do yeah but you and have, then you have to stop and be like no 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 no. what would mike you and, and especially because we were recording at the time we we know we had to make we couldn't like sit there and think for, for 30 seconds theater to it so yeah. we had to, we were thinking like oh crap we have to make this good and so we were trying to think you had to react quick and be in character all the time it's yeah. fun it's it's jamo really how cool. many uh how many D games have you played now was it just with us oh yeah so Kind of the way I went with this, I've always known, obviously, you've always heard D&D throughout your life. It's kind of in passing or like we've all said, we've all hinted at the joke that like, oh, yeah, nice nerds in your basement playing D&D. A bunch of virgins. Um, I had no issues kids with run it. Around. <laughs> exactly. I had, I, I had no issues with it. It's just something I never got into. Uh, like thinking back on my life, when I, my like video game history, you guys talk a lot about video games. Um and my video game history is mostly sports and that type of thing. Uh, when I would play a video game, it's like NCA Football 04, where I make my own team and I make them the best and I beat people 90 to 2, mm-hmm. you know? Like it's, <laughs> and it, there's not, there was nothing. I look back on that and I kind of think how boring it was. And so when I first, I'd heard about DD, I've always been wanting to play, and Jake invited me to come play. And. I jumped in, and this was like the hardest thing I'd ever done. It was it was really fun. I used to pester you and pester you. Yeah, I know. Because you, you were at work, and I was like, "Yo, backstory." Yeah, <laughs> let's get back. Because I was like, I was like, I have no idea like what to put. I like, I'm. <laughs> it's I daunting. Know. The first that first campaign it is is daunting. It is daunting, and but it it really took me out of my comfort zone, and I'm still it's still hard for me to like. Okay, what would I do? What would my character do? And it's, but it's so fun to try and figure that out because I know all of us are going through the same thing. Even if you guys were uh, experts at this, it's you guys know what I'm going through, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so and everyone wants to help everyone along. As if you've ever been gambling and played uh, blackjack. Everyone at the table against the dealer. Everyone helps everyone out. It is a blast, Mm -hmm. and and, super fun because. 
Just speaking about that, yeah. Because you're not playing against the other players, you're playing against the yeah. dealer, yeah. Which is like players against the DM, mm-hmm. so, sort, of. sort of, yeah. In that the, the DM of. is playing the NPCs, but uh, you're even the dealer at blackjack table is super charming, and they're super like yeah. they're trying to get you to spend a lot of money. Yes, so Chris, you're charming. You. Right. Well, that's not what I meant. But, <laughs> but, but thank Chris, you, Chris's charisma level. Is, I got twenty. He's got like a <laughs> always twenty. <laughs> he's got like an eighteen. Um, but. Like I said, uh, my whole history has been me against someone, me against someone on football or Call mm-hmm. of Duty. Yeah. But to play collaboratively has <clears throat> been so fun, and and I and I think that's what draws everyone together about it. It's it's something you can. I think when I go when I turn off Call of Duty, it's off. When I turn off NCAA football, it's off. When I get home from playing a session, I'm going like, okay, like. I, I can see where this is going. Like, what do I want my character to do? Like, next, how can I interact with this? I had literal dreams of our. Char- I'm not <laughs> so did I. Dreams of our characters, uh-huh. and I'm like, I, I was like, I haven't even seen what they look like. This is all in my head, and it's yeah. so fun. And we all have different vision. Like visually, we picture each other's characters differently. Right. You know? Kind of cool. Um, and and oh, it, well, sorry, just to hit on your point, Jamo, about um, getting together and playing collaboratively versus like other video game type. Uh, experiences like th- that's one thing that i wrote down here is uh it especially in this day and age and this is kind of getting into what uh jake was mentioning earlier about how it's a becoming kind of a culturally big thing now like it's it's bigger than it ever has been um and, and i think a big reason of, for that is there's so much disconnect between human beings nowadays and this is such a fun and awesome way to connect with people yeah um i want to kind of hit on that as well kind of what you were saying uh comparing it to video games because like you i played a lot of sports games and yeah you you create the super teams and you beat your teams 90 to 2 and it's always an us me versus them type thing even when you play call of duty or anything else like it's a player versus player your whole point is to just for that particular game that might last 20 minutes you're just trying to kill other players Mm -hmm. or you're just trying to beat the other team uh the way i would describe DD um when you're collaborating and you're playing is actually the type of video game that i've actually grown to love a lot more is the co-op type video game and i'm trying to use this as an example like when we get on we play anthem or when we play uh destiny Mm -hmm. um and we're actually going out we're trying to build our characters we're trying to you know experience things together and then like and then we go on little quests and stuff and that's i'm trying to draw a parallel here or trying to draw like some commonality of those types of video games is like is what D is like but instead of sitting in front of a tv and having things drawn out for you you're describing your own world for yourself mm-hmm. you have your characters you're making your character all of your characters decisions how you think their character would be and in a way there's a lot more freedom um, with it's a that. lot more active and it's a, it's mm-hmm. less passive like video game mm-hmm. because and the world's created for well, you. Well, even like an RPG with like multiple choices. Yeah. And D&D, it's, it's infinite, infinite choices. choices. Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's hard for me. It, but it's super daunting. It is. Because I, I've heard, I, I had heard stories before we started our campaign of like our Uncle Jackson talk about like these funny things that that like players would just come up with like this awesome, funny, spontaneous thing. It's like, well, now I feel like I have to come up with these funny, cool, spontaneous things, and it's so hard. And you, and you feel you, like and you feel like you have to do it like every thirty minutes. There should be something funny and spontaneous, <laughs> but it's not that way at all. Even even from the stories that you hear, hear experienced players talk about, it happens once maybe every couple sessions that these cool, awesome things that you talk about forever happen. Mm-hmm. 
But these funny, spontaneous things end up being the turtle runs into the bugbear den mm -hmm. and gets killed. And then right we and the then bat. and then we think to use the bugbear's head as like a lantern thing. It was super cool. But the one shot that we were playing that none of you guys were there, it was with Chris. Um Jackson Jackson had a familiar cat, so uh uh like a ghost cat basically that that followed him around and uh Chris wanted to know if it was a boy or girl. And so he says, I want to see if it's a boy or girl. And I said, okay, roll a perception check. And then he rolls a perception check and he rolled really high. It so was, was a like, 20. So I was like, all right, yeah, there's two big testicles hanging right in your face. And then Jackson was like, my cat did not like that. And so Jackson was this character that could mold earth. He had mold earth was a, was a thing. And so, <laughs> so he was playing pranks on everybody the entire time. He would... He had this code for me. He passed me a note and said, every time I go, that means whoever you look at me and whoever I nod to, I'm going to cast mold earth and uh, it's going to pop a stone up in front of them and they're going to trip. <laughs> right. And so he did it to a couple people during the campaign. And then after Chris pissed him off by, by lifting his cat's tail, he did it to Chris every time. The rest of the thing. Just, so every time I heard, I didn't even have to look at Jackson. I knew. And I'd say, all right, Chris, roll a dexterity check. <laughs> dexterity saving throw. And Chris was like, why? <laughs> then, I, then, I was rolling really high at first. So he's, At first, he was. He was <laughs> and then, and, but then by the end, Chris was tripping and falling on his face. <laughs> My character is like an old man, too. He's an old guy falling all the time. And then, and then at the end, Chris was like, what the hell was all that tripping over stuff? And I was like, well, it was Jackson. And he goes, it wasn't you, was it? No, he showed me the note. I was like, "You <laughs> son of a!" <laughs> but it was stuff it was fun, like it was, it really was stuff like that, that that added so much flavor to the campaign because it was a, I mean, pretty generic. It was a pretty generic thing, but it was also, I mean, we fought. About but it just monsters, goes to, but it it added a lot of flavor to it that made it really fun. It just goes to prove though that you're only limited by your own imagination. Exactly. 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 And uh, and another one shot that Jake did. Uh, he, you brought your your old mission friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Mike. Joe and Mike. Joe, Joe and Mike. Mike. And Joe's character was a bard, and bards are notoriously annoying. <laughs> bards like to sing, and they, they're magical, and they're charismatic, and they they try to use their wits rather than their their swords. That's a, that's a type of type of character that bard is. And my character was a gruff pirate who was like six foot five with axes, and we just naturally we didn't get along. I liked Joe. I thought Joe was awesome, but our characters didn't get along. So we fought in game. Afterward, we're like, dude, that was so awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you thought the same. No, thing, he loved I, it. Yeah, but I was like, so our characters naturally, like, we almost got into an actual like a like a player versus player fight. Oh and, yeah. I, and then I was like, I was ready. And then I was like, nope, I lost. I lost <laughs> this round. He's he's way too magical. I don't have this one. So my player had to concede, and I, I myself was personally mad, not at him. I was mad that my character lost the situation. And, and Jake didn't plan that. That was not in Jake's well, that's, plans that's, at all. That's another thing as a DM. <laughs> don't plan for anything. Also plan one session at a time. Yeah, what Don't was, plan for anything because your players will not do what you want. anything that you want them to, <laughs> that you think they'll do. Not necessarily that you want them to do, but that the, you guys wandered around that island for a 
goddamn hour. <laughs> and there was literally <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, on nothing the, to do. Well, we're rolling. You put us on an island. What are we gonna do? Well, Wait. it was also my fault. I did. I I screwed up on a couple things there as well. Well, but. what's funny about that fight that you almost got in with them was it was over a bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's funny about that is you laid a trap that was intended for me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you fell. I bumbled it. into it. <laughs> well, and then so speaking of uh, what Scott was saying that this is a way to bring people together, make human connections. Um, this is a. With modern technology, we you don't even have to be in the same room mm-hmm. because so Joe lives in Phoenix. He has a uh, a guy who lives. Uh, he has someone who lives across the street w- from him that plays. Um, there, I'm. I live in Mapleton, Utah. Reese lives up in Salt Lake, Utah, or Harriman, Utah. And our other friend Mike, who was there that night, he lives in in uh price utah okay which price so salt lake and mapleton is about an hour away from each other uh mapleton and price are about two hours away from each other um and then phoenix is about 12 hours away and we play we've actually played a few a few sessions with us on uh through facebook messenger call each other on -hmm. facebook messenger and just on our phones Mm. And Joe has Joe has his camera, and then he turns it to the map. So he, when it's RP time, role playing time, he turns the uh, the camera to himself, and then we do the role playing. And then when it's time to do battle, he turns the camera, his phone to the map, and we play. We've played, we've played to Facebook Messenger. It's amazing, and we've been having the funnest time. Um, fighting the monsters that Joe Joe's our, our DM fighting the monsters that he's throwing at us and it so with modern technology it's made it available to more people um, so now everybody has a bit of an understanding about why we like it why we play it and why it's so important to us it in my opinion it's like Scott said, it's the most raw form of storytelling. I, I used to say pure storytelling, and I, I don't think that's true. I think it's raw storytelling. Yeah. Because things go wrong. Nothing nothing ever goes the way you think it's going to go. You're not telling – you're not telling a story. You're telling a story with other people. It's a and other people, yeah. It's a collective thing. It's – and that I think it's it's pure creation – and that's what I like about it yep. is the creation aspect. And no it. one person has complete control. Not even the dungeon master has complete control. I definitely do not have like, control. No, the no dungeon master might have the least amount of control of anyone at the table. Right. Yep. So I, I, does anybody have any objections to the reasons I gave there? No. no creation, storytelling. Yeah. It's hard to object with the reason why you like something. Yeah. Well, I'm saying as a group. Yeah. No, I think um, we've all we've passionately explained so what I wanted to get into there after that is Scotty mentioned that it's – I mean we, we've talked a little bit about how it's become a bit of a cultural ph- phenomenon right now. And I think a More big so part – it has been the whole time. Well, right. Because it started in the 80s or in the 70s yeah. with uh, Gary Gygax. And in fact, his quote about Dunge- the only rule for Dungeons & Dragons – is my favorite part about the game. And the only rule for the creator of Dungeons and Dragons, the only rule is that it that 
everyone at the table has to have fun. And if someone's not having fun, then you're not doing you're not then you're not doing it right. Um, and that's there's all these rules you can follow, but throw them out if you need to. If you're the DM, throw out rules, gen, change rules, bend rules, do what you need to do. Make sure everybody has fun. Um, but it's become this popular thing where in the past in the 70s in the 80s in the 90s in the early 2000s it it was seen as this like hidden thing you hid from it if you were if you were a nerd and you and but nerds weren't cool like they are now yeah, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's a co- modern nerd culture thing yeah, yeah sure. we've, we've we've talked about this like with comic books and stuff it's very similar but comic books were probably a little more accepted than D mm-hmm. and so it's just kind of like the more nerd nerd culture is being accepted the more and more nerd culture will be dude more there's popular. like a, a cnn news story about how your teenagers are summoning satan in your basement <laughs> With our oh. friends, like yeah. from right. the like 80s from back, or in the day? from back in the day, back in the oh, day. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. people thought it's it was the, the, the yeah, yeah, the. And I guess I can. Demogorgon. I guess I can kind of see panic. why, as like a parent, if I went down and there was one kid wearing a hood, <laughs> and another player is a warlock, candles lit around, a player is a warlock who's made a pact to bail or something, and you've got a dead sacrificed pig a few feet away. Like, I mean, it makes well, and like you think about like the the. Dungeon master playing a, a whatever monster and, and speaking like a demon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the parents, are like is he trying to like summon, summon or like, yeah. like whatever? Um, I could totally see that. The yeah. satanic panic was definitely a thing, mm-hmm. but so um, well, it I mean, was not popular. It was it was banned in many homes. I, I I think I remember Chris saying that when you mentioned that you were playing it, your dad mentioned something about mm-hmm. isn't that devil thing or something like it, there, there just there wasn't much known about it well and um, and i mean how can you expect anything less when you have like the 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 satanic fear that you're talking about i mean they have that for the band kiss and for acdc yeah they had like rock it, music it, it, I mean, so if the, they're gonna have if they're gonna have satanic what would you call it satan satanic panic satanic panic <laughs> that's a great term i hope you used it you came up with it you should i did not come no that was like the term for that was the satanic term for it but, but you had you had satanic panic for for um those bands of course they're gonna have it for D. you know what i mean well, like they had it for harry sense. potter they had it for harry potter yeah. i remember in like seventh grade hearing like people like witches and wizards you're, you're reading that like what? It's funny too because they changed philosopher's stone to sorcerer's stone because Americans are dumb and then you dumb it down for them. Yeah. <laughs> and then they release the books over here and they're like devil worshippers and then they'll see. That's why we changed it because <laughs> they're idiots. Gosh. <laughs> um, so, but there's been this emergence of of people who are popular. And like actors and and popular culture people. Shout out to who, Vin Diesel, who have mm-hmm. who have stated that they are they're big into Dungeons and Dragons and they liked playing it. And so you get these people like like Vin Diesel, like Troy said. Vin Diesel's a huge nerd. Chronicles of Riddick is Vin Diesel's true passion, not Fast, 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 Last Witch Hunter. Last Witch Hunter. Those are that's his, his true, character. He made yeah. a movie about his D and D character exactly using using Fast and Furious money, right. That's his true passion. You got guys like Joe Manganiello. You've got uh, Deborah Ann Wall. You have these these actors that are these 
these very popular, well, famous people um, that are that are coming out and and like and we've already talked about how it's uh, nerd culture is becoming popular culture. Um, people like Stephen Colbert, who is the biggest nerd. Absolutely. You, mm-hmm. If you've watched him talk shop about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien, and he could talk he, circles at, oh, around, around literally anyone, they 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 hired him to be a consultant on the Hobbit movies because he is the the world's expert on Tolkien. <laughs> um, it's too bad they didn't use him, but uh, oh, he was in it for he, a second. Was, no, I'm saying too bad they didn't use him as a consultant yeah. for the movies. Oh, right. Um, but you have these people in that so you're starting to see popular people liking who are coming out saying they like D&D um well and, and if you think about it as an actor it makes sense that someone that grew up playing D&D became an actor because it's so much improv you're you're acting the whole mm-hmm. time exactly yeah, you know the the weird thing too is i i and studying for this I googled why is D&D so popular again and there was testimonials from actors and famous people they were like I'm doing what I am doing right now because I played D&D growing up mm-hmm. I learned how to improvise I learned how to be quick on my feet I learned how to tell a story I learned how to be passive and let people tell me a story uh, it's therapeutic you also learned to, how to be a character and be that character in front of people. And and not to call you guys out, but I have watched JMO and Scott become more extroverted while playing this game. Right. And it's kind of weird that just, just from playing this game, they're like coming to their own and like, this is my character. This is what he would do. And then they're like, all of a sudden they're assertive with it. And I was like, this is awesome. So it's like weird to say it, it makes you a better person. It makes you, <laughs> it, it teaches no, you good it, skills. It absolutely does. Yeah. No. I uh, same thing. I, I read a few articles on on why the rise is back, and <laughs> there's countless numbers of stories of parents with autistic children mm-hmm. or, or something like that that they go to uh, uh, shops or things like that or places where D and D is played, and they're like, "This is my kid." talks to people here mm-hmm. this is like i don't care what how do i buy that what do i do how do i buy this how do i get involved because this is what my kid loves to do he gets he goes home he gets involved in his story builds his character and then likes to share it with the world and that's huge for so many people mm-hmm. um and, and it doesn't have to be just applied to them and it's applied to anyone like uh, you know just like you said i'm i'm kind of an introverted person sometimes it doesn't seem like it but when it comes to things like this, being creative, it, I definitely am. And it's brought me out of my shell and I've fallen in love with it mm-hmm. just like everyone else does. Yeah. Well, dude, Jim, you talking about like um, bringing people together like at, at, at a game store or whatever playing. Um, I was like starting to get goosebumps. It's uh, the culture around the game. I think that's probably the best part. Of, one of the best parts about the game is how inclusive the culture is around the game. Mm-hmm. If you don't know something, you go to a store and you ask a question to the store owner or someone that's just walking around, they will be so enthusiastic about teaching you about the oh, game. How many heads pop around aisles? Going like, and there is, it's insane. There is almost no superiority complexes no with it even the best players like like i have some friends that, that have been playing for years and they're really good really good dming really good players and like there you're right there's no superiority it's it's nothing but just wanting to teach you my so we played that that one shot with my uncle who 
has been playing since the 80s. He yeah. is the most I was thinking how weird that would be to DM your uncle. It was it was daunting yeah. because he's been playing for 25 years, 30 years. And I'm th- and I remember thinking to myself, ah, this is daunting. This is I I don't but, but he made it so much more fun just by the way he played his the and I don't, I don't know it, I could kind of tell that he didn't like role play very much either because I I like went up and like okay I'm gonna come up and talk to him he's like my character leaves I was like oh, come on but it could we all play differently but he didn't have any I he didn't have any of the any any because everywhere you go you go into the gaming world video games you go into sports you go into anything anywhere you go you're gonna get the people that are superior. Well, yeah, they it, feel superior. Usually, it's because someone wins and someone loses. Exactly. Every and in, in every game, yeah. I, I think about this because I play a lot of sports. I think about on a basketball court. If I walked out on a basketball court, someone my age, and they get out there and they take five shots and they airball every single one of them, I'm gonna look at them and be like, I'm not playing with you. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm not saying I'm like some Michael Jordan, but like at least I know how to play and. I don't want to play with him because he's terrible. But and you he's get, taking shots. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, get off the court. Let the people who know how to play play. Mm-hmm. But you walk into anyone who plays D. I've I've talked to so many people now that I've started playing that are just like they are just excited that you're playing. Doesn't matter. And how they want to help you. And they want to help you. And they, they just want, want. They're so genuinely excited about it. And I think that ultimately, when it gets down to the nitty gritty. The culture, the way culture is moving now, right now, um, is it's we're in more of an acceptance culture. Mm-hmm. Everything is we think, want it. Things could not be more tenuous between culture, like pe- people at this moment. But if you play D anD D, oh yeah, there's, that's there's true. Acceptance. But but everyone wants to be. Everyone wants to accept everyone else. And there's there's different ways you can look at it. But we're in this ex- acceptance culture. But in D and D, it's truly, literally, everyone can can play, and you come in and you you can. It's also a great escape. So you can yep. drop your drop everything at the door, and you don't have to think about anything, and you can sit with um, random people you don't know. You can go to a game store on D and D night. And just join a random game. Yeah, and and at at first it is hard. We've talked about this. It's really hard to let yourself go and be a character in front of other people. But once you do, you kind of have that moment where it's like, yeah, what's the, what was I afraid of? Let's just do this. It's Everyone else is doing it. Why am I so self conscious about doing? It? Then it's just like it just opens up. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is amazing. I remember Scott was saying like why he liked it, and it kind of stood out to me. But he was like. It's just so fun to pretend like you're someone else for a few hours. Yeah. To just be someone else. Like it's And you can be literally anyone. Well and, and think about the the childlike aspect of it where the some of the most <laughs> the funnest times you had when you were a child with your friends was Pretending. going out and playing pretend. Ro- role playing? And role playing, yeah, like going right. out yeah, just going out and yeah. playing. And, you know, uh, this is the exact same thing, but you're adults and it's socially okay. Mm-hmm. Well and this is something I wrote down is uh like it's kind of a millennial culture to harken back to childhood a lot more so than I think other generations. Maybe not. I don't know. But like the fact that there's adult kickball leagues, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> like people want to be kids for some reason in this. In the, I in met a generation. professional Quidditch player. Ex- came over to my house. Ex- exactly. <laughs> um, I think this harkens to that as well. Is like th- th- this generation for some reason is really looking for 
a childlike release. I'm, I am. Like it, it sucks being an adult. And the weird thing too is, while I'm playing this, we're using our imaginations. Obviously, everybody at the table is. We're pretending, and we're we all know the rules of this game. That's all in our mind. It's pretend. And I was, I remember I was teaching this to Troy and I was like, okay, you're a level one elf. He's like, why can't I be level 20? He's like, well, you have to earn that. And he's like, that's weird to me. Not to say that you didn't get it, but you're like, this is weird. I could just say I'm a level 20 elf wizard. And I was like, but I'm not. If, if you walked, you could like, uh, you could walk into a game store and say, I'm a level 20 yeah. elf rogue or whatever. Yeah. And they would know within five minutes that you did not earn that. Mm-hmm. So it's like super weird that you're you're with your pretend experience points that you wrote down with pen and paper. Yeah. Exactly. Like and, you could just erase it on the paper and, and write a twenty instead of a three. Mm-hmm. But to and that, all of a sudden you're a level twenty. Yeah, but to that, like, and something I learned is it's extreme. I mean, our our characters what only level three yeah. right now. I mean, I, I don't know if that's only or or whatever, but like it is super gratifying to earn that. Mm-hmm. Like I remember initially thinking about it. Yeah, I remember thinking about that, and I was like, "So what? You level up, you get more, you get more abilities, you get more spells, you get this or that." And I'm like, "Whatever, you know." And then when you actually level up and and you you learn a little bit more about your character in that aspect and what the character can do and everything, it's it, it well, you, you earn it, and and so therefore it feels well and. It, Sorry. No, 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 you're fine. It feels I can't really think of the word right now, but but gratifying, like you, like you, you earned, earned it. it. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know how else to say. It feels it. deserved. Deserved, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And um, and part of that, I, I'm glad that it's so gradual because especially with the magical character, there's a lot. And it, and if you go like Jake had this this uh, one of Jake's um, one-off games was we all came into it like level 12 or something level eight. at level eight. And I was a sorcerer it was or a warlock. <laughs> and that is like one of the most complex magical characters. I was so lost. It was, it was a little, so it was hard. A little like, overwhelming. Yeah. If, if I had, if I had gone from level one to 12, like by the time I'm, I'm 12, I'm like a couple years into this character and it would have been a lot easier, but going straight to level 12, it was rough. And, and not only, um, experience points that you earn in magical spells but there's there's items that yeah um, that, you, that you pick up mm-hmm. as you go and some of the items because i when i was dming for you guys I, I still am if we ever play again but one of the magic items that i had planned out from the start was to give jameson an axe so he can throw and bring back and it took six sessions to get there <laughs> 25 hours well, to, to finally get there, and and it's that funny, badass. It's super cool. <laughs> but super like all cool. it is is like your, your guy, Bam. your guy is on a, a map that I drew with my wife, and there's like a bandit on a on the other side of the map that you are throwing an axe that I gave you air quotes right that, that you paid money for right but you but then i remember like i was like hey here's your thing you can do it and then you you threw your axe and it killed the guy and it pinned him against the wall and then you jumped up and fist pumped and jumped in the air and i, I was, was like so stoked. Like, this is so silly it's so weird <laughs> the funny is... thing about that is when you gave that axe to me i was like in my notebook that i had for the game i started drawing my axe <laughs> i'm not kidding i'm like good I, that's I awesome I'm not, like i'm not art like I like I said, it's it's hard for me to get in like to use my imagination a lot. But that was just something passive that I did, and I don't know why. Yeah. But like, but um, that's what the game is doing for me. It's bringing out like this this side of me that creative. I that I my creative side that I don't really use a lot in my yeah. life. Th- that's something I wrote wrote down was the game is a perfect mix of left brain, left brain right brain. 
Yeah, because yeah, there, there's math true. involved and stuff, and there's yeah. there's rolling and there's rules, but there's also so much more creativity, and so it's just this perfect mix. And one thing I wanted to say to you before I forget is like this is such this game is made and catered for children, <laughs> not catered, but it's made for children to understand. And and my, uh, Troy and I have a, a daughter, a daughter and a son. They're eight and nine years old, and they watch us play. They're like, "Can we play? Can we play? Can we play?" And I can't, I cannot. In my consciousness, tell them, no, this is for adults only. Because it's not. I'm playing with toys and my friends around a table. And you're using your imagination. And I'm using my imagination. And they grasp it so much more than any of us ever have. Like, they honestly. really do. They're like, they're, they're, the way that they, like, it, as adults, I feel like when we try to use our imaginations, we, 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 feel like we're uh, limited. Like mm-hmm. we, we try we and imagine stay our, within logical mm-hmm. bounds. We imagine our limitations whatever. with kids. They're like, I'm going to jump 800 feet in the air. And you know, it's like, and then either the DM has something they can't do it or not, but they have, they, they just, they don't, you know, they I, just, I've been yeah. trying to get a game going with Ollie and with Rory and, Let's do it. Whoever else, because I, I would love to do that. And obviously, you wouldn't like kill their characters off or anything. <laughs> sure. But but just to watch their imagination soar, it's like it sounds amazing. Like something to just and like watch the kids do. And it. and the I think the setups and and payoffs would be extremely rewarding for the kids too. Mm-hmm. Like like talking about like building up to something is uh, in our in our campaign. Um, Scott's backstory and my backstory are. are Potentially, intertwined. there's there's a lot of tension between our characters, and it's it, it feels like it's building up to something that just doesn't ever like get there as far as whether or not you know they're intertwined or not, and so it's just like it's just this this huge thing, and and so you know it's just it it's exciting. It's it, just, I know there's so much like built up tension between our characters. Uh-huh. And we just, I just want to get to the bottom of it. But we're <laughs> so <being patient>. do I. <laughs> So, um, try um, I think I would be, well, you can't, we can't really talk about, um, pop culture or well, yeah, let's get into the pop culture. Cause that's what, uh, we were talking, we're talking about it being popular now Yeah, and pop culture. One of the, I think, I think the, one of the cultural moments I think one of the cultural moments of the show of the of the game that that brought it really to the forefront is Stranger Things. Absolutely, oh, yeah. Stranger Things. My, when list. those kids started, I think that brought it to the fore. And at that point, the entire show is a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the, a- the kid goes missing, and so now your entire. Uh, the entire campaign is now um, trying to find the missing member of your party. Yeah. And you have the new person that comes around that is a, a, a wild card. You have a wizard. You have the, the, you have all these different characters. Dustin's that they totally the bard. The, Mikey's he, a paladin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You've got these different characters. And it's this Dungeons and Dragons campaign that is played out. By kids that play that are playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Mm-hmm. And once you start playing too, you realize people that have played where they got their inspiration from. Patrick Rothfuss wrote uh, Name of the Wind. 
Mm-hmm. He that was his D and D character. There's I bet no you. Way. I bet you a million dollars that his character from Name of the Wind was his D and D character. Was, was a bard. Yeah. Well, and, he just wrote the story for. And even going back to Stranger Things, like even like I mean, you can go into each character. Like obviously, Eleven is a wizard. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to that, like D and D was such a a big part of uh, of that story that the fact that they the, they called it the demogorgon because that's what they played and then like the whole upside down they flipped the board upside down all of it but then even from that you notice D more in other pop culture things like for instance i didn't know until i watched it recently that they were playing D in et yeah, oh yeah i, I remember mm-hmm. that. In the basement yeah never realized that before and the annoying brothers oh i can i play yeah, guys, can I play? Yeah, <laughs> your penis and- breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, getting getting into the the pop culture aspect of it, um, I'd mentioned a Neil Gaiman article that I'd recently read. Yeah, um, it's more about fantasy in general. But he he recently said that we are currently in a fantasy gold rush, and uh, kind of j- just every. every uh, movie pr- production company and and but actually mostly tv production companies are just like clawing at getting fantasy stuff and obviously game of thrones started it mm-hmm. um with the, with the tv stuff but um i think that putting it putting fantasy in general in the forefront of, of people's televisions is a huge reason why i think dungeons and dragons is so accepted now because um, it's a way th- to experience fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, and it, it makes it the more you know about fantasy in general, the more you're going to be accepting and know more about Dungeons and Dragons. So I, I just thought it was a really interesting um, article. Uh, anyway. Um, to kind of wait on the piggybacking off what you said, Oscar Isaac, big actor, uh, big D&D player who went to like Juilliard to act. He's He's from a high upper brow lineage um but he he plays as well and they they kind of talk to him about there's a kind of a backlash against star wars movies right now they're they're too political they're too catering they're too fan service whatever 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 reason why you don't like star wars right now and they asked him like what do you think um they should do about this and he goes and this is like the best answer ever but he's like i think that if you don't like the direction star wars is going then go write your own story go and go and play your own game and make your own story and uh then then you'll like it because if if you want to be the if they want there to be change then you be the change and you write it yourself yeah and it wasn't condescending it wasn't supposed to be negative i thought i thought it was great like mm-hmm. well then if you think you create can do better, something create something and because I think, that's all that's that's what you, you need mm-hmm. create just create like there's a there's a star wars type D game that you can play and he's like yeah i've played better star wars uh battlefront battle whatever they're called star wars D games than the movies i thought because it was mine mm-hmm. yep that's awesome so um the last thing i wanted to bring up and this is the thing that so if stranger things hooked me then critical role sunk the hook Hook, line and sinker and 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 brought me in and critical role is a youtube or a twitch stream of a group of nerdy ass voice actors who played dungeons and dragons and uh they have it on youtube series they have it on a on on a podcast as well um 
and it when you have voice actors playing it that means these guys but it's like seven eight attractive voice actors <laughs> so if that's your first exposure to it you're like oh they're not like fat guys with neck beards exactly right. like us <laughs> it's not us but you you're looking at it and you're like oh look at these people that it's 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 ashley johnson she was in the avengers movies not a bunch but she was in the avengers mm-hmm. um You've got you've got Sam Regal who has won a an Emmy mm-hmm. for for his work. You've got all these different people who do um, uh, video games and TV shows for voice acting, and so they're able to really really dive into their characters and and give good performances that's the word I was looking for they're able to dive in and give really good performances with their with their characters but they're also very good writers and they they've written their characters so well and then you have the ultimate Matt Mercer mm-hmm. who will make any DM feel inadequate there's he's amazing but what that show has done and I've only experienced their second campaign. I haven't gone in and done gone through their first campaign yet. But what they what they're able to do is make such an immersive story and a story that it, it's something that I want to be part of so so bad <laughs> to be able to be part of of telling a story that could be half as immersive as what they tell. Um, and that's why I want to play so often. That's why I want, that's why I want to get together with my friends. Cause I'm like, I, we can do this. Mm-hmm. We can tell a story that good. We have, we have the ability and it is so exciting. And then every time I watch, I just think I, I, I'm always, I don't think there's been an episode yet where I've walked away and gone, well, I wish I wouldn't have listened to that episode. Mm hmm. And so it, I, I think that's the one that, re- and it also taught me how to play Dungeons and Dragons, at least a little bit. Right. Um, Travis in that show is the ultimate player. Having DM'd a couple times, you want every player to be like Travis because he doesn't argue with the DM. He doesn't. He's really good at 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 uh, rolling with the punches and everything. But uh, it it teaches you. I don't know. Give if you have questions about whether or not you want to play Dungeons and Dragons, I would say give Critical Role a try. And if that doesn't get you excited about it, then maybe mm-hmm. it's not for you. That, but also, when you're oh sorry, go ahead, man. Oh, I was just gonna just picking off Critical Role. That's one thing that really is um, set me along the path. I watch it at work when when I'm at. Well, I, I listen to the podcast, but I'm I'm pretty much caught up now, so I have to stream it on YouTube. But um, I get so into it when I'm at work mm-hmm. that I'm sit- I, I will laugh out loud. Um, I will like like shock, you know, type of mm-hmm. things. And I have people working next to me, and I'm like, "What are you, what are you doing?" And I'm like, oh, I'm, and they like kind of look over at the screen, and you're like. You're just looking at people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, 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 it's so much more than this. And like, they're <laughs> no, playing D and D, and yeah, you don't get it. And uh, I don't know, it, it's that's helped me a ton. Like you said, that they watching them kind of helps me like figure out how I can play my character better. Um, but to bring it back to the pop culture, 
these these guys started a Kickstarter to uh, animate their first campaign. Not the or, whole campaign. No, just just, a, just, just one, one storyline. Story one storyline from, from their first campaign. They asked for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. They got that in the first like a couple hours or something like that. And they have now the most successful uh, video or uh, the video Kickstarter of all time. They've they've they're up to eleven point three million dollars. And I think that just shows you what the breadth of D and D and what and what it is now million dollars they have o- almost eighty nine thousand backers and they can 11 million they can dollars. make their own show based purely on donation money. 100 they don't need, a, they don't they don't need, need any producers production. yep and i think that's uh, it's amazing and it just shows you how much how involved people are and and so you have these this critical role and they are going bonkers with their they're so popular they're so I, I bought my uh, my uh, critical role t-shirt that says how do you want to do this mm-hmm. on it and everywhere no matter where I go everywhere I go I I see I went to work and someone's like oh I love critical role I go to the grocery store and I hear and I, I, I see a guy turn to his wife and go he's got a, it says how do you want to do this? like people are all everywhere are watching the the show and it's so it's a super popular thing but you can find podcasts and youtube streams of that are all super popular of D campaigns mm-hmm. there's there i've got probably three D podcasts that i have loaded up on my phone that it, and and Instagram and all these different things. There's so many different ones. It's crazy to me how popular this is getting, how it has turned 180 degrees. There's one thing I wanted to say to you, probably the last thing I say, because as good as Critical Role is, and you should definitely check it out if you have any interest at all in D&D, but those guys are the best of the best of the best of the best. And there's even rumors that some things might be planned and, you know, like because it's a show and they're doing production value and everything. I don't know if that's true or not. I doubt it because it just seems so um, improvisational. Um, But I can tell you guys that our own campaign that we have done to me has been so much better than anything they have ever done because it's us 100 percent. so don't watch the show and expect that because that's their game yeah you can get lost in there in how good they play your game will be different it'll be you and your friends and creating something magical that's it and it's a good point chris mm-hmm. troy, troy said it um I don't know, two hours ago? I don't know how long this episode is. <laughs> um, Troy, Troy said it, that he's proud of what we've done, of the character he's built, of what we've done. And I think that that really stuck out to me. I wanted to come back to it. That I, It wasn't until you said that like I, I felt like, yeah, that that is the feeling I'm having about our campaign, is that I'm proud of what we've done, of, of what I've done with the character. Um, of you went ha- from not liking him to liking him. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I'm, I'm a dwarf cleric. It's like the most generic uh, thing you can be. Human uh, warrior, excuse uh, me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I, I, he's, he's he has so much more depth, and I have this like feeling towards him and these expectations and, and things about him that I never thought would happen. And, and, and there is a, a big sense of pride around... Um, Especially how Troy, we've talked about Troy and I's character have 
built this kind of this tension and this 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 joined backstory that I don't know how the hell that happened, but it's happened and it's awesome. It's interesting too because I, I don't know about you, but like even though there's this tension, there's still trust. You know what I mean? Because like we've been yeah. in battles together, we fought it's together. So cool. There's like this, this, just this. It's freaking rad. Like, like my character would die for your character, but there's a lot of tension because our backstories could be intertwined. Yeah, and and they're, like, they're it, in a some, bad some way, bad in a things, very very some bad, bad way. Bad things might happen when <laughs> when certain things come to light, but yeah, they're, they're it's going to be conflicted because we are starting to like each other. So. And that's the funny thing, sorry, is the the way you talk about your campaigns, I, I think it's the funniest, coolest thing, is like w- when we talk about our campaign and what we've done, we always say, remember when we went into the, the bugbear den? Like, we didn't do that. Our characters did that. It's like, you don't talk you about are like, the remember when John yeah. Wick went in and shot up that, that club? You, you say, no, remember when we went in and mm-hmm. shot up that bear bugbear den? It's like, it's... Remember when, Cody, remember when Cody ran in and... and- just, just ran straight to the back room and stabbed the dude in the neck yeah. and killed him before anything could happen. Exactly. Like, the opposite the, of the bugbear den. The, but o- even, the exact opposite. But even when and you, then Cody killed all those guys and did it silently and then I tried to kill the guy and he like <laughs> screamed and fell out of bed and I had to bludgeon him to death. And, like, but even, even when you mentioned earlier about how we used the bugbear's head and we illuminated his eyes to scare the rest of the uh, what were they? they, they goblins. Were goblins. goblins. That was the freaking coolest thing we've so ever fun. done. That was and that was all like that was all your your imagination that was all just like this is what we're gonna do and we did yeah. it and it was awesome so uh it, unless anybody has anything else i want to say we probably should be getting out of here mm-hmm. um i think that what i wanted to get out of this episode was just to say do it try it out get it out get out there and and Talk to it, it, get your friends together and do a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. You don't need anything. You need you don't even need very much money. paper and no. pencil. That's and that's what I'm getting at. What were we using for miniatures when we first started? Legos. Like your Legos. kids' toys. Mm-hmm. My miniature was literally a a, a Ninja Turtle Lego. I, I was, have like buttons for some guys. Yeah, I don't have plain. minis of. Chris has been using buttons for NPCs. And then and then I literally went out and bought a 3D printer. I was so gonna, that I, I was yeah. it can that. be expensive. It can, uh, it can no. be. It can be. I was going to mention that because that's kind of a funny story. Mar and I went to a store and we're like, we want these characters, we want these characters, these characters, and all of the individual characters like five bucks each. And so we're like, okay, this is like a hundred bucks. And we're like, might as well buy a screen printer a week later. Hey, I got a screen printer, not a screen printer, printer. a 3D printer. Anyway, send me everything you want. I will make it because I am. I love the 3D printer, but but. You don't need that stuff. All you you all you need is, I used the back when I made my maps. I used the back of a of, um, wrapping paper that has the Christmas the grid, paper. the grids yeah. on it, because that's how I that, use that. And then you have whatever toy you have sitting around. You could use a rock, but even and that's it. Even to that point, you don't us. need any of that to get to t- tell you what. I'm, Mar and I were driving to Idaho. Theater of the Mind. Boise. It's just as good. We were doing mm-hmm. Theater of the Mind, which basically we didn't have any miniatures, any map, <coughs> nothing. We were just her character, my character, walking down a path, and I was basically kind of DM playing. And we we're just like, okay, this happens, and then we just we literally like opened up the little center console in our car and just rolling dice and just playing, and it was. It it was a lot of fun that's just doing just doing that was great like that's the thing about it is, is it goes back to that one rule that chris mentioned just have fun 
just have yeah. fun and honestly like if you're listening and you want to play you could hit up any one of us and we would love to teach you guys more yeah like yes when i helped troy and mara make their characters i drove to their house like four or five nights in a <laughs> row with a laptop and i was just explaining things and it, honestly it didn't bother me at all because if, if anyone as if we if we haven't made this point clear no one is better than you at this game they just if you're new they want to help you because mm-hmm. it's so fun we should title this episode dungeons and dragons a love story, a love story. <laughs> seriously seriously but it is <laughs> we and we could probably go and talk the rest of the night about this stuff oh, we could go um, more, i i absolutely adore this game it's my favorite it's the my i, I haven't game. touched video games in months guys all I've been doing is like D and D stuff. Yeah, I I can't even play and video vi- games anymore. And that, that's, gosh, I'm gonna make a different point. Video games. So, Dungeons and Dragons is a precursor to video games, right? Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons in the 70s, and they start saying, okay, well, how do we make it digital? You can make it into video games. They start doing the same logic. They, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, you put it into video games. Skyrim uses D and D rules in the background. Every mm-hmm. time you swing, a random dice is rolled, and you might miss that attack or not. You might miss it. Well, yeah, someone might mm-hmm. block block it mm-hmm. right so the, so D- dungeon dragons video games but the thing about video games we scott talked about it scott keeps bringing it up about bringing people together human connection video games you don't get that it's almost it that you can you, it's you, just not, not like you can yeah, yeah. but it's not but it's it, not the same it's not the same it's, it's not, not it's, it's not, not yeah close to the same we play we play, uh, we play Anthem. Um, but that dis- that's discovering a story, not that's not discovering a story. But it's story. also it's also, yet yeah, not telling your own story. Um, and for the most part, video games are individual endeavors. Whereas, and and when we talk about oh, Dungeons and Dragons taught me to become extroverted. It taught me to become. Uh, it taught me to to solve problems. It it taught me to um, to have in, human interactions and all these different things. That's something that you don't get with the video games. And video games are my favorite. I love them. They're the best. I I, I absolutely enjoy playing video games. But there's something you get sitting down with a group of guys and girls, girls group of friends, <laughs> and talking. And talking it through, I don't know. Well, it, it's such an amazing thing. Uh, just to, that's my final thought. Yeah, really quick, just on that. If anyone, <laughs> take us away, JMO. Take us away. <laughs> uh, all of you guys know, but since we're all we're all cousins, we've all grown up with each other our whole lives, including lives. Chris. And Chris has been friends with he's, Jake he's and Scott for a, a long, long time. And I, I've like playing this made me feel closer as cousins than anything else uh, not anything i'm sure there's other things sure. but like this this really like connects us and it's such a cool thing to do uh even if you play with strangers or you play with family people that you see all the time like it's such a cool thing um that it brings more out of us and we can see better things in each of us even if we think we know each other as, as well as we do that's a good so. point you see like you get insights into my i get insights into my brother's uh, character just uh, uh, as himself like how he reacts to certain situations in this game and trying to act out as like through a character and stuff anyway it's it's a you're right Jim. you get to know 
your best friends even more through the game. One of the best decisions I said was saying yes to this. I'm serious. <laughs> it was, it was, it's honestly been so, so much fun. Yeah, we need to finish, dude. <laughs> we need to finish that game. I think yeah, I, 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 I don't know about... I don't, I think all five of us that are here are definitely more motivated to, to do that. So let's right. make it happen. Let's do it. All right. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope that was informative for anyone out yeah. there yeah. even considering playing. It was, it was therapeutic for me. And you, at the very beginning, you said we've only been playing for a year. We are John Snow. We know nothing. You know, like I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't explain to you fourth edition. I couldn't explain Pathfinder to you, but I can explain what we're playing now right and which is 5e yeah <laughs> but like but that, that stuff doesn't matter it's semantics it, it, yeah. like it's, it, it is but but it, it kind of saying we're, we're on we're playing 5e just kind of sh- demonstrates like the vastness of mm-hmm. how much more before this was there you know mm-hmm. that we don't know i kind of wish i'd have started back in the day but just just grab your friends and go create something dude like it's, it's, it's never too late. Like, like there is. I wish I would have done it. Jameson, but I, I don't. I don't. I don't regret what we've done. It's not know? too late. Jameson is the youngest of us, and he is twenty-eight years old. So, it's not too late. No. You can. We're we're all a bunch of old fat dudes that started playing a tabletop after, well after we had kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly <laughs> after all my kids were born. Right. That's when I started playing. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. I don't have kids. Um, but yeah. So thank you guys for indulging me on this subject. It's It's been one that I've been wanting to, to do on this podcast for a while. And uh, apologies for not releasing our Roll Gently Roll show. Roll Gently campaign. Hopefully sometimes in the future we can start up. Maybe, maybe we can write a book. I, I also... <laughs> It'll be a bit. I, I want to... In, in this whole Dungeons & Dragons a love story, I want to give a, another shout out to all of the people that we have played Dungeons & Dragons with that aren't here like to express things as well people like that we've talked about rachel uh rachel and neil mm-hmm. uh we've talked about uh jose we've talked about your uncle jackson mm-hmm. um cody uh cody um we've talked about joe and mike um you've played with a lot of people and yeah your, your mm-hmm. wife mara and uh, of course mara. <laughs> uh, sorry mara kylie, kylie played with uh kylie played with us me chris and scott in that mm-hmm. first couple campaign the first couple and, and i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people who uh have shared this I'll call it a journey, but they shared this Dungeons and Dragons discovery journey with us. And, uh, and a lot of them feel the very same as we do. They're just not here to express it. Mm -hmm. And I think that should tell you something about how great it is. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, the funny thing is we, uh, there was a couple episodes like Jose couldn't make it like, Oh, we should find a replacement. And Tori's like, uh, Mara should try. And I was like, sure, bring her along. And I helped her make her character and everything. She fell in love with her character. And we're like, yeah, you'll just be here. Cause Jose is not here. And then we're like, um, can she stay forever? <laughs> yeah. She was expecting to just play that one time and, and she kind of just, she, she loves it. Yeah. yeah. Like you guys, you guys, I don't know if you can read it very much, but she loves it. And she, she, and thoroughly enjoys it. Uh, she asks me all the time, when are we playing again? When are we playing again? So there you go. It's good stuff. All right, guys. That was uh, very wordy. Yeah. Long winded. Um, I was kind of scatterbrained through half of it. But, uh, <laughs> well, there's just so much. There's like, there's a lot to get to. It's a lot to unpack. Thanks again for coming, Jamo. I hope we gave you a platform big enough to <laughs> express yourself. No, that was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, 
I love listening and anytime you guys want me back I'm here yeah so. I want I want you back I want you back on our on the podcast like, yeah it's great cool well thank you all if there's nothing else then make sure to like and subscribe on uh, on Facebook Instagram like the podcast wherever you can get it Spotify Spotify Apple, Apple. reviews we've been having a hard time with Google we need reviews, to we need reviews. to work on getting that back on Google mm-hmm. leave us a review leave us a comment let us know what you want to hear uh, tell us if we're stupid tell us if we're smart I like hearing that I'm smart but I also like arguing when someone says I'm stupid no um, I ain't <laughs> uh, um, it's good to have and, you back Jake uh, yeah it's good to be back man I'm glad to be here uh and uh, if there's nothing else, then uh, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.